Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, a podcast where Superman still stands for truth, justice, and the American way. This is episode 54. My name is Michael Bradley, and joining me for the very first time in 2012 is Charlie Niemeyer. Woohoo! Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. This episode, we're going to be looking at the sixth storyline from the radio show, which features the thrilling debut of a pretty important character in the form of Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Spoiler alert. Actually, I'm not so sure how thrilling it is, but still, it's Jimmy Olsen, so... Oh, yeah. Uh, before we get into the show itself, I have been re-watching some of the Fleischer cartoons recently, and maybe Charlie can refresh my memory on this, but have we mentioned that Siegel and Schuster are not credited at all on the radio show? Um, well, they don't really have credits, so yeah. Yeah, except I, for at the end where they say Superman is a copyrighted feature, you know. Oh, yeah, appearing in Action Comics magazine. Right. Um, they are credited in the Fleischer cartoons at the end, mm-hmm. Superman created by, but not in the radio, which – it seemed kind of interesting or significant, uh, but then again, there's no credits at all, so... Right. Uh, Maybe if there were, they would be out. Yeah. At least in these first batches where they were still working on the book. Right, right. But then they they didn't have anything to do with the radio show, but then they didn't have much to do with the Fleischer cartoon either, so... Right. Uh, it would just be a creator credit, but still. But anyway, I'm kind of looking forward to getting into the story, so let's say we take a quick break for a promo and then come back with that. Sounds good. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton, Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman of the Bronze Age is a weekly podcast covering the adventures of Superman from 1970 to 1986. Join host Charlie Niemeyer at superbronze1970.libson.com. Okay, so like I said, we're looking at the sixth storyline from the radio serial, which was episodes 28 through 33. It aired April 15th to April 26th, 1940. Uh, During that time, Action Comics number 25, which I looked at last episode, was published. And the dailies wrapped up Trouble in the Tenements, which I looked at in episode 49. And they kicked off a new story. While the Sunday strip was continuing with the same storyline that we'll be looking at probably in about a month. And the title of this episode's story is Danelli's Protection Racket. As our story opens today... Clark Kent is about to leave the Daily Planet building when he is hailed by young Jimmy Olsen, a red-headed, freckle-faced copy boy who works in the editorial department of the paper. Listen. All right. And we jump right into episode 28 as Clark prepares to leave the office for the day. Office boy Jimmy Olsen walks up to speak to him. He explains to Clark that his dad used to own a candy shop on Spruce Street, which Jimmy's mom took over back when he died three years ago. But starting about a month ago, a man started coming in demanding $20 a week to pay Mr. Donnelly for protection. For the past five weeks, all of the stores on Spruce Street have been paying the protection money. So Clark offers to go to the store with Jimmy to meet with the collector. 
When they get there, Jimmy shows Clark the butcher shop across the street. The owner refused to pay the protection money last week and got a brick through the front window, leaving not much of the front window behind. That might be bad grammar. And and also told Clark that the police couldn't do anything about it due to a lack of evidence. So inside, they meet up with Jimmy's mom, who believes that she's going to have to give up the store because... Twenty dollars in nineteen thirty or nineteen forty is a lot of money. Uh, so Clark tells them that he will help. So while he and Jimmy hide behind the counter, he tells Mrs. Olson to refuse to pay the collector when he shows up. And shows up he does. When he sh- shortly later he walks in, and she does exactly as she was told. When he starts to get annoyed, Clark reveals himself threatening to go to the police unless he pays back all the money and never bothers the candy store again. As a rebuttal, the man punches Clark. Mrs. Olson gives him the money, and he leaves. Soon, Clark leaves too, promising to get their money back. Once outside, he changes to Superman and flies to Donnelly's. At Donnelly's, the man delivered, uh, the collector delivers the 600 bucks that he had picked up that day. And after telling his boss about what happened at the candy store, uh, he is then sent out to get cigarettes while Donnelly makes a call to have every issue of the next day's planet bought as soon as they hit the stand so that no one will see any article about in the stores about paying protection to him. Then the collector comes back, stating that Clark has shown up and is waiting to meet with Donnelly in a soundproof room. So Donnelly goes to the soundproof room and instead of seeing Clark, he sees Superman, who demands to get Mrs. Olson's money back. So Donnelly shoots at him, but obviously since he's Superman, it does nothing. So Superman picks up Donnelly and literally starts bouncing him off the walls. Donnelly gives him the money, and Superman leaves, threatening Donnelly to leave the shops on Spruce Street alone or else. After Superman leaves, Donnelly calls for Spike, which is the collector, and tells them to go to the candy store at closing time and teach the Olsons a lesson. Our next episode opens up back in the Olsen candy shop where Jimmy comforts his mom who is upset about the visit from Denali's thug. Jimmy tells her he thought sure that Clark would be able to help and not just stand there and get beat up. Soon though, Clark shows up and returns all $120 that was taken from them and says he plans on exposing Denali in his racket with an article in the Daily Planet. Just as Clark leaves, Spike and Tony, another of Denali's men, arrive at the shop. Jimmy and his mom close up for the night and start to walk home while the crooks follow. When they get to a darkened street, they are jumped by the thugs, when suddenly Superman swoops in, smacks the thugs around under cover of darkness, thus scaring them off. Switching back to Clark, he checks on the welfare of Jimmy and his mom. Mrs. Olsen has fainted, so Clark carries her inside their apartment. After she revives, Clark says he has to get back to the planet to work on his article, but says he will send Lois Lane to come stay with them. As Jimmy walks Clark to the door, he tells Clark he swore he saw a man in a red cape save them. But Clark says Jimmy needs to get some rest and takes his leave. Shortly, Spike returns to Donnelly's office and tells him what happened. Spike says a big guy chased him off, and Donnelly, despite having no evidence as such, says Clark must be behind it. Donnelly then calls Olsen's house, pretends to be Clark, and tells Jimmy he wants to meet him right away at the corner of Spruce and 2nd Streets. Jimmy says he doesn't want to leave because Lois has just showed up, but Donnelly happily says to bring her along because it's newspaper business. After hanging up the phone, Donnelly and Spike head out to engage their trap, eager about the idea of doing away with all three Daily Planet reporters in one fell swoop. 
at the Daily Planet, the real Clark and Perry White talk about the whole situation, and Perry offers as much room as it will take to print Clark's story about the Nelly. So just then, Jimmy shows up and basically explains what happened at the end of last episode and tells them that when they showed up to meet Clark, he and Lois were jumped. Lois was taken, but Jimmy was able to get free and ran to the planet. So Clark runs off, changes to Superman, and heads out to Donnelly's place. Landing outside, Superman sneaks into Donnelly's office on the third floor. It's deserted, but he hears a voice apparently talking to Donnelly, stating that he will be somewhere in about an hour. So Superman bounces the guy around until he says he agrees to talk, but as soon as Superman lets go, the guy runs off, running down the hall and jumping out the window to the concrete driveway below, which makes him a big pancake. So with the crowd gathering, Superman takes off out of the back and heads back to the planet. In Perry White's office, Clark confers with White about what to do next since they can't go to the police. White tells Clark that while he was gone, he had a rewrite man get the facts from Jimmy and write up the article that Clark was going to write at the beginning of the episode. As he begins reviewing the story with Clark, the phone rings, and the voice on the other end asks to speak to Clark. It's Danelli, and he threatens Clark to hurt Lois if any articles about him are printed. White traces the call and finds that the call came from a drugstore in Little Falls. So Clark is about to run off, but Perry insists that he come too. And after Jimmy talks them into taking him with him, they all head off. At midnight, in the front room of a cabin near Little Falls, Danelli and Spike are waiting for Tony, who it appears was the man who just died a little bit ago in the episode. Spike lets him know that Lois and the briefcase of papers, which weren't mentioned before, are in the other room. You know, which, the briefcase of papers. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got one of those. Uh, but she needed to be a Houdini in order to get out of those ropes. So Danelli has Spike check up on her anyway, and it turns out that Lois is a Houdini, and that she grabbed the briefcase, climbed out the window, and went off into the woods. While they check out the window, Spike accidentally knocks over some kerosene, which starts a fire. While they escape from the cabin, the wind starts blowing the fire towards the woods. Episode 31, Danelli and Spike head back to town, worried that Lois has the briefcase, which is apparently full of incriminating files. If she doesn't have it, they're not worried because the fire will destroy them and no one will be able to get to the cabin because the fire is spreading quickly and Danelli has blocked the road with a tree. As Danelli and Spike continue to drive, a tire blows, causing them to pull over. As Spike works to change it, Perry and company happen by asking for directions to Little Falls, and not recognizing Danelli, are soon on their merry way. However, Danelli recognizes Clark and Jimmy, and figures they're trying to find Lois. Once the tire is fixed, Danelli plans to follow and kill them all, ending any chance of his racket being blown. Back in the car, Perry, Clark, and Jimmy opt to stop at a conveniently placed gas station for a fill-up and a reminder about the whereabouts of Little Falls. The attendant tells them about the tree, and that Danelli had passed by several hours prior, but with a girl in the car. Clark then realizes the man they asked for directions was Danelli, and that they must have left Lois in the cabin. Clark tells Barry to take the car down the road to call the police, while he plans on heading to the cabin on foot. Jimmy wants to go along, but Clark tells him to stay at the station, and that the attendant should use a shotgun to signal if Danelli returns or they have any other trouble. Once out of sight, Clark changes to Superman and flies to the downed tree. He starts to move the tree off the road, but notices it's wired down. Further inspecting the wires, there's a huge explosion. 
Superman is unfazed by the explosion, and thankfully the blast also caused the tree to be blown completely off the road. But before Superman can continue his journey to the cabin, he hears the gunshot signal coming from the station, followed by a car approaching. Superman quickly changes back to Clark and meets Perry, who had heard the explosion. With Clark okay, Perry asks about Jimmy. The station attendant had told Perry that Jimmy followed Clark into the woods, despite orders otherwise. Perry and Clark then frantically begin to look for Jimmy, worried about his fate following following the explosion. In episode 32, the man from the gas station catches up with Clark and Perry, but still hasn't seen Jimmy, and brings the fire to the attention of the two reporters. So they run off into the woods looking for Lois and Jimmy. Meanwhile, Danelli and Spike, who were hiding in a ditch, apparently, heard every word of this conversation, so they create a backfire, which should not only stop the first fire, but will also trap Jimmy, Lois, Clark, Perry, and the gas station attendant in between the two fires. Meanwhile, in the woods, Jimmy finally catches up to Lois, who has hurt herself somehow. Doesn't really say. I'm guessing she turned her ankle. Yeah, it mentions she turned her ankle when she was running through the woods. And I missed that. I mean, it, it happened off, not off camera, Animal. off off mic, I guess. But yeah, yeah, they actually okay. do. She actually says something about she turned her ankle. Okay. Well, then that's what she did. And so Jimmy tries to help Lois as they slowly try to get away from the, well, from the only fire they see at this point, which is the first fire. Meanwhile, while the smoke starts getting thicker, Clark has somehow slipped away from Perry, switched to Superman, and is flying to the heart of the fire. After he lands, he pulls up a pine tree and uses it to beat down the fire. Meanwhile, in the smoke, Lois and Jimmy start hearing Clark's voice as he picks them up and flies them both out of the fire. Meanwhile, at the other end of the fire, Perry and the gas station attendant have made their way out of all the smoke, just as Lois and Jimmy arrive with Clark, who has somehow found the time to switch back to his civilian clothes, and they also escape from the smoke. Does that sound right? Yeah. I think I said that right. So then, at that point, Perry goes to get the car. Meanwhile, in their own car, Danelli and Spike are still trying to figure out how everyone escaped from the fires. But Danelli has another plan. In the back seat is a small box that Danelli promises will take care of Clark and the others. They just need to get way ahead of them first. So Spike puts the pedal to the metal and they drive off. As our final episode begins, Danelli and Spike drive along the road looking for a culvert where Danelli can stage his trap. Danelli reveals that inside the mystery box are high-powered explosives given to him by Bugsy Leary. The plan is to bury the explosives in a culvert and rig a fuse so that when the reporters drive over it, it will blow. Danelli plans to wait in a nearby field to trip the explosives while Spike goes back to trail Clark. Back in the woods, a safe distance now from the fire, Clark, Jimmy, Lois, and Perry wait for help. Clark eventually convinces Perry, Jimmy, and Lois to go back to the car while he looks for the police and ties up loose ends. After the car is gone, Clark switches to Superman, but suddenly comes under gunfire. Our bulletproof hero takes to the skies and snags the shooter, none other than our old pal Spike. Pulling him high into the air, Superman demands to know where Danelli is, and after quite a bit of classic Golden Age Superman-style harassment, Spike finally relents and tells Superman of Danelli's plan. With time short, Superman flies off, taking Spike with him to flag down the car while Superman goes after Danelli. Thanks to Spike's warning, the car stops just short of the explosion, and presently, Clark reappears with Danelli in hand. After Clark catches up Perry, Lois, and Jimmy on who Danelli and Spike are and what happened, 
conveniently leaving out the part about Superman's involvement, the police show up and take the thugs away while the reporters head back home. The end. You are cordially invited to attend a podcast that observes the unfolding events of history. Come with me and observe the birth and growth of a legend. From the pages of a ten-cent pulp comic book to the newspapers, radio program adventures, theatrical films, and more. Witness the dawn of the superhero. Superman. Available on iTunes and at goldenagesuperman.libson.com. Every legend has a beginning. Our cast for this episode is Bud Collier as Superman and Clark Kent, Julian Noah as Perry White. Um, according to Flights of Fantasy, Jimmy Olsen is played by Jack Grimes. I thought Jack Grimes didn't start till later in the series, but uh, he says Jack Grimes was uh, Jimmy Olsen in this, in this episode, so we'll see when we go forward if it's the same actor or not. Uh, Lois Lane, I believe, is played by Helen Choate, and I believe Spike is Julian Noah, as he sounds like the same guy who played Mac the Rewrite Man a couple of stories ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, go with that. But no idea who played Danelli. So this is this is the uh, first set of episodes not on the box sets, so the quality of the recordings is lower. Um, as really, I hadn't noticed. <laughs> as you'll no doubt see or hear when I edit in clips, but I, I didn't think the the quality on these was terrible. I mean, they're they're definitely still listenable. Uh, they're better than the audition ones we did last episode, right? Or yeah. last time, yeah. And we're gonna have some down the road that are. It's a ways down the road, but uh, they're that are almost unlistenable. So, yay! But in episode twenty-eight, we we start out with the opening. Um, they've made the intro a bit more consistent from episode to episode with with this set of episodes. It's a lot of episodes, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but uh, each each episode in this arc starts with something that's very similar to that iconic Superman opening. It's it's not exactly that, but they're conveying the same ideas of you know the strange visitor from another planet with great powers and he leaps tall buildings and he's faster than a locomotive and and so on. Uh, plus, they say that uh, he fights for truth and justice again and, and mentions how he disguises himself as Clark. So and now, Superman, mighty visitor from another world with powers and abilities never before realized by mortal men. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Race a speeding bullet to a target. Crush steel with his bare hands. Superman, champion of the weak and the oppressed. Courageous fighter for truth and justice. Who mingles with ordinary men as mild-mannered Clark Kent, reporter for the Daily Planet, a great metropolitan newspaper. It's just really awesome hearing that, even though it's not the opening it's it's great hearing what is basically a, a proto version of it and how it's getting closer and closer to that 
that iconic opening. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. <laughs> uh, they make they make no mention of last storyline with the Azatlan Indians and the, the Sacred Emerald. So this is the first time we've had um, just a cold start on a story, which I found kind of odd. Especially since the last time we talked about the shark, and I was totally thrown off. Right. <laughs> I was like, all right, yeah. time to find out what Superman did. And it's like, Jimmy, what? No. But, and, yeah. and thus Charlie has spent the last week weeping because he never found out what happened to the shark. <laughs> uh, it's killing me inside. <laughs> terrible. Well, next year for Christmas, maybe you can ask Santa for those other four episodes. Ooh, there yes, you go. Something will find yes, awesome. Oh, but then we get the first appearance of Jimmy Olsen who is described as a red-headed, freckle-faced copy boy who works in the editorial department of the paper. And has no other impact on Superman history ever again. Yeah, we never hear of him again. He's one of those... Uh, one and done. One and dones. yep. Poor guy. Uh, but in uh, episode 30, we find out he is 14. And I, the actor sounds considerably older than 14 to me. I mean, I, obviously he was, but uh, <laughs> he, he made yeah. no... Attempt to to play a younger teenager, you know, young teen. Yeah, he, he still sounded younger to me than like Clark, but not yeah. that young. No, not fourteen. Like maybe no. early twenties, late teens, but not fourteen. Right. Yeah, I would say no younger than sixteen. Sixteen would probably be pushing it. I think. Yeah, that's probably pushing a little bit, but yeah, I'd go with that. But this is also the first appearance of Jimmy's widowed mother. We're not given a first name for her in this set of episodes, though we do find out in the next episode that her that his father's name was Henry. Um, I got to thinking about this after I did my notes, but in in the comic books, Jimmy's parents weren't introduced until the Silver Age, and when we first saw them, it was a Superboy story when Jimmy was still a toddler, and then later we learned that when Jimmy was ten, his parents were killed in a train wreck, and that he was raised by relatives uh, post-crisis he was raised by his mom after his dad disappeared and then in Lois and Clark Jimmy's dad was a spy who had been out of Jimmy's life for years and I don't think we ever found out much about his mom in that series but in Smallville we found out that Jimmy's dad was an alcoholic and that he didn't know his mom so I, I just kind of thought it was interesting that while it's mostly coincidence Jimmy in kind of all these different continuities is coming from a broken home. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's anything that they've consciously done. Well, maybe the more recent stuff, but... It's to just start weird. off with, they probably didn't. Right, yeah, it's just kind of weird. But, uh... And his dad's names, his dad's name changes, too. Well, yeah. I don't know what it was on Smallville, because I didn't see those, but I know his, in, in the post-crisis, I think it was also James. I'm... I think. I'm scratching my head on that right now. Somewhere, Michael Bailey is going, Yes, it was, you idiots! Yeah, right. Um, oh, I love this part because um, Jimmy asks if he's got time to, if Clark has time to talk with him, and he's like, yeah, sure, no problem, come on. And it's just, what's just one of those things that, Super Clark always has time to help Jimmy with something, no Superman matter what seems can- to be going on. Superman cares about everybody, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> but especially with, you know, it always seems that way with Jimmy Olsen just because, 
Well, this is the first time we've been introduced to him, but you know, later on, they're they're such good friends. That, Superman's pal. Yep. Yeah, he always makes time to help to for Jimmy if Jimmy needs help, yeah. unless you know there's like a nuclear war or something going on. But right. if he can, he's always there to help Jimmy. And it just this is evident in their first meeting, apparently. Yeah. Um, you you talked in your synopsis about it. And I, I did the calculations. Um, Danelli is getting twenty dollars a week for protection money, which is roughly three hundred and twenty-five dollars in today's money. So that that is a wow. significant chunk of change. Yeah. Yeah, especially for for little mom and pop type shops that seem to be on Spruce Street. Yes. Yes. <sighs> um, but to go back to what we're, because I, I forgot if I had this note, but I like hearing <laughs> that. Jimmy comes to Clark with his problems. You know, I liked that, and then taking him back to the store uh, to meet his mom. I, mean, mm-hmm. I, I know it's only because we're looking back at these with seventy years of history, but it just feels very natural. I mean, exactly. Which is weird, too, because given only the last two years that have been covered on the show, it's actually very unnatural. Yeah, that anyone Clark's, would go to Clark because he's such right, a timid weakling. Right. I mean, we haven't seen too much, really, of Clark. Well, I guess we have seen quite a bit of Clark interacting with people, but, but, but you're right. They they always see him as this, you know, timid weakling that can't do anything. And then even Superman relating to people, we haven't. That 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 hasn't happened a lot either. So it just all seems very unnatural, given just the two years we've looked at. But but I I really like it though, and and I'm glad we're moving more in that direction. Definitely, but when they're in the uh, the candy shop, am I the only one who got a to catch a predator vibe when Clark pops up from behind the <laughs> counter? It's like, it's just like have, have a seat right there. Yeah, if we could have a seat, we ha- we need to talk to you for a second. It's like, oh man, I thought she was older. Those are awesome, but yeah, no, I I I didn't catch it. <laughs> Pun, uh, but now that you mention it, yes, yes, I see it. Just hide behind the counter. Um, so basically, when we're in the store, Clark actually puts on a pretty a pretty brave front, which is off considering, like you were just talking about, the past two years worth of stuff he wouldn't do. For the next, like, 40 years, he wouldn't do. Uh, but then, of course, after the Man of Steel, he would. But he tries to put a pretty brave front on here and ultimately fails. Yeah. Because he gets punched and then gets punched just, in the face, yeah, pretty much. And sounds like a pretty good hit. Yeah, I don't know what it looked like, but it sounded pretty tough. Good thing he rolled with the punch. <laughs> he would broke the guy's hand, probably. Yeah, that that would be a thought balloon had this been an actual comic book. Right. Good thing I rolled with the punch. Otherwise, his hand would have been like all mush. Uh, but when Spike goes back to Danelli's. Danelli tells him to buy up every issue of the planet when it hits the stands. Oh, he and tells I, the phone to do that. Huh? He tells the guy on the phone to do that. Okay. Anyway, he tells someone <laughs> to buy up every issue of the planet. And I just hate this tactic because even in a small town, you couldn't buy up every copy of a newspaper. No. I mean, even if you pretend that they don't have home delivery, I mean, a conservative estimate for their circulation would be 150000 and that's that's a very very conservative estimate because it's probably much higher than that even in 1940 as the planet has always been portrayed as a a big paper mm-hmm. so it's just 
And even back then, even if, well, they're probably, what, like a nickel a copy, a dime a copy, something like that? Probably, yeah. And that, I mean, that's still going to be a lot of money. Well, yeah. I mean, but even even if they uh, bought them with their fists, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. Took them. Yeah. There's no way they could get every single copy. Not a, the, the only chance that they have would be to actually be like standing out of the printing building and yeah hijacking trucks, trucks or something yeah hijack yeah. the trucks as they come out and it doesn't sound like they're planning to do it that way right it literally sounds like they were saying buy everyone as soon as they hit the stands as soon as they hit the stands there you go yeah yeah so they they, they still they would have had home delivery back then so I don't know wonder what happened so I guess the homeowners get to have their paper the subscribers get their papers but the the newsstands you don't get to find out right so that's only going to stop about half the people from finding out that he's right. a crook. Right. Yeah. yeah. But I did like the end of this episode, the, the cliffhanger. Normally in the comics, <laughs> Superman confronts someone and they automatically repent or or Superman becomes their target. But here, Danelli just says, I told them not to talk. They did. Go take care of Olsen and her boy, which was kind of a, a nice switch from the, the normal. Yes, and it's almost like Maybe Danelli hasn't heard it. Well, obviously he hadn't, but no one's heard of Superman yet. But it's pretty interesting when no one has heard about him that they still feel that even though they got he got that kind of a pounding, that he thinks he can get away with going after Ols- the Olsons anyway. Right. Despite he's, the big he's, threat. He's evil. Yes, 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 yes. Four E's. So. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, but... a capital I at the end. No, that'd be I E vile. Never mind. <laughs> evil E. There you go. Uh, but then we get to episode twenty nine, and at the beginning of the episode, when Jimmy's you know consoling his mom, it's a nice little sweet scene, and Jimmy says something to his mom about uh, how did I know he was going to get beat up? I thought he could fight, and I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, apparently Jimmy hasn't been talking to Lois Lane very much if he thought that Clark could fight, <laughs> or anyone else on staff at the Daily Planet. Right. Um, about eight minutes in, it's. It's interesting that Clark comments that too many people have been seeing him as Superman. It's like, well, maybe if you stop exposing yourself. Yeah, that didn't didn't really come out right. (laughs) Maybe if you stop doing your super feats in front of people. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about that just with the last story. Just about everyone there saw him as Superman. Right. Except for what? Azatlan, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, All the little people. Uh, yes. The big humongous guy, the the cab driver got to see him. Or was it Eddie? Got to not only see him, Eddie Healy. Yeah, there you yeah, go. But not only got to see him, but got to see him change to Clark. And I guess the only people that didn't see him were the what the professor and his daughter. Uh huh. So it's like whose name is I've well, already forgotten. Yes, mine too. Because they they were cool. And um, but yeah, every and, and every time someone's seeing him, I don't know. He he's he every once in a while he actually tries, but usually there's a lot of times where it's just like I'm just gonna do it and yeah. do it in front of whoever's there. Now, now in some cases he's had to like when that fire the fireman saw him save the girl from the burning building. Yeah, but then he mentioned something about going in under the smoke or staying hidden by the smoke. Yeah, well, he was hidden by the smoke when he went to the building. But oh, by but the when time he came he back out, evening, okay. the smoke was clearing out because of the wind. Okay. So they actually caught a glimpse of him. Right. But I do like that he's trying to stay hidden, even though he doesn't do the best job that he really could. <laughs> yeah. 
Then we have Danelli calling to pretend to be Clark. He does not hide his voice at all. No, and he doesn't sound anything like Clark. He doesn't try to match the way he talks. No. He doesn't try to heighten or you know raise you know make his voice higher or anything. He just keeps with the Danelli gangster type talk. Yeah, like hey kid, hand me that telephone book. Okay. What's up, Chip? You'll see. There it is. And Mrs. Henry Olson, store, residence, Logan 6251. Operator, get me Logan 6251. What you calling her for, Chip? You'll see. Hello? Hello, Jimmy. This is Clark Kent. Mr. Kent? Gee, your voice sounds funny. Uh, must be something wrong with the phone connection. Listen, Jimmy, I haven't got much time. I've got to see you right away. But you just left my house a little while ago, Mr. Kent. Yeah, I know. Something came up. I need your help. It, it, it's about Donnelly. Can you meet me at the corner of Spruce and 2nd Street in 10 minutes? Gee, Mr. Kent, I don't want to leave Mom. She's asleep now. Miss Lane just got here. Who? Lois Lane. Oh, sure. Uh, bring her along. It's newspaper business. All right, Mr. Kent. I'll be there with Miss Lane. Good. See you in ten minutes. That's not luck. I don't know what it is. Even, even given... They didn't have cell phones in 1940, but even given the worst imaginal cell phone connection you can possibly think of, it would be very hard-pressed to confuse Clark and Donnelly. Yes. So, chalk one up for Jimmy being a moron. He doesn't even sound like Superman. <laughs> no. No. It, the, the, the speech... Like you said, the speech pattern, the inflection, it's all completely different so and, and I mean we can sit here and try to mimic Clark and probably do a better job but he didn't even try right yeah but maybe that was to help the kids realize what was going that it was really Donnelly <laughs> yeah it could be too yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is the second episode in the arc where we end an episode with Donnelly planning to kill Jimmy Olsen and I only make note of that because of something that happens at the end of episode 32 so okay <laughs> but yeah you're right Jimmy's just uh, this guy's not Jimmy's biggest fan no but I also notice um, in this episode Lois shows up but does not say a word right they, they have her show up they have her do stuff but there's no they don't but, really give her a chance to talk either but yeah do we ever are we ever actually at the Olsen's apartment while Lois is there because Danelli calls there, but are we ever – is there – Well, okay, yeah, but uh, like Clark mentions that he's going to send Lois over. Jimmy mentions that Lois is there. Usually somewhere there, if they're going to mention her, she said something too. Right. Okay, so yes, we remember, So we remember you know, who she is and what she sounds like. And it would have been a perfect instance for Lois to complain about Clark shoving work off on her and you know, – You're yeah. such a weakling. You can't take care of a frail old woman. There you go. Yeah, see, and sending sending her to stay with them while he does the quote unquote work, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. but they don't do that. Nope. So we ready to go into episode thirty? I'm ready when you are. <laughs> this episode starts out with Perry White giving a uh... speech, an editorial speech. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah, a very hardcore right wing speech. Danelli and his kind aren't men, Kent. They're rats. I know. And there's only one way to handle rats. Drive them out in the open and shoot them down. Unfortunately, we we can't do that. With bullets? No. But with words, 
Yes. Now, you get all the facts, Kent. All right. Write this story as you've never written one before. I'll give it all the front-page space it'll take. I know you'd feel that way about it, Mr. White. And why shouldn't I? The trouble with this country is that we're too lenient with Dinelli and people like him. They belong in a country where they have a dictator and concentration camps. Uh, it makes my blood boil when I think of the millions of decent men and women who would give anything to live here in America, but instead, they have to suffer while Dinelli robs poor shopkeepers. Hey, I'll put that in the story, Mr. White. Well, you make every word sizzle, Kent. Yes, sir. Stop at nothing, but be sure of your facts. Well, Jimmy knows everything that's happened. I'll get them from him. It's like... Yeah. I, I know we're going to get some very political episodes coming down the road. Mm-hmm. Um... But this just seemed very. This is this is the most political statement we have seen in a Superman comic. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm wondering if it was the aside like, from Superman's actions. I'm wondering who's if that was like the writer of the episode putting his words in Perry's mouth. Oh, undoubtedly, yeah, yeah. So that's just like, yeah. If I'm it wonder- had been any more obvious, we would have had Perry turning to the camera and like mm-hmm. speaking right into the camera, you know. <laughs> Well, yeah, if it was on video. Well, yeah. But um, it's almost like, I wonder what Julian Noah thought to have to read this, like, if he had any problem with it. I don't know. I mean, it does, I mean, it makes sense to an extent. It's a little hardcore, like you said. (laughs) But, I mean, yeah, we don't want them to be, you know, they shouldn't be allowed to get away with this stuff and all that. But I don't know about concentration camps. But we got Perry, I just wonder if Julian was like, ah, this sounds a little harsh. It almost makes you wonder if he actually did have a problem with it, maybe, and they actually toned it down some. <laughs> so it's like, God, I wonder what this was when it started. Yeah. <laughs> they should I, just be killed. I think he's being, you know, hyperbolic about the concentration camps, but still, it's it's well, yeah. it's just very, very right, right wing, hardcore right wing, and that's unusual for this this part of the show, and that's this early. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we find out that Lois has been kidnapped once again. Even though she can take care of herself. Even though she can take care of herself. I'm a little disappointed that the attack on Lois and Jimmy happened off mic, but it could be they thought it would be too similar to last episode where the same thing happened to Jimmy and his mom. Plus, Lois's voice actress doesn't seem to be around, so they needed right. a way to do it without her having to talk. Because she's yeah. not in this episode either. Right. Yeah. It, I wonder if they were maybe just cutting costs by writing it so they didn't need to bring in the actress. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if it was that or if she just wasn't available, so they had to, like, figure ways around it until she was would be available. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. That of course, that too. depends on how many they're doing a day, too, because, well, it could be a time thing. Like, they could be starting at noon. <laughs> they get through the first, what, three or four episodes, and by the time she gets there, they have the, they have it set up for her to be able to talk. Right. I wonder if they didn't do like a week's worth of episodes in one quote unquote session. You know, in in this part of the show's run where the show is transcribed, I'm almost positive they didn't do a show a day. And it would right. just it would just make more sense to do it to do two or three at a time or even six. Mm-hmm. But if they came in and did say these three episodes, which would be a week's worth, you know, it's just it's something we should probably keep an eye on as we go forward, uh, just to see how the actors are used and if they're writing around them to keep them in a certain set of episodes. Right. Uh, it's possible. 
But... Well, we've noticed it the last couple of stories too, where we would, we didn't get Perry, but we got like an assistant editor or something. Right. Because even though wasn't Julian Noah in there in the episode or something? Julian Noah wasn't in the episode at all. In oh. the last six episodes at all. This is the first time we've seen Perry since episode 30? Episode 20. Oh, wow. Yeah. So 10, 10 episodes. Yeah. It's three weeks. Yes. <laughs> That's right, folks. I did math. Whereas Shalagadula Mechikabula equals X and Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo is Y. Put them together and what have you got? Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo, X plus Y equals Y. X equals zero. The song is badly written. Second verse, X plus Y equals bibbidi-bobbidi. After the guy does the suicide plunge out the window and Clark sheds no tears and then just leaves his dead body lying on the street, uh, why did he go back to the planet other than for exposition with Danelli's phone call? Because Lois is still missing. And it's just like, oh, well, he's not – or she's not at the apartment or at the uh, Danelli's office, so I'll just go back to the planet. Uh, my guess is that um – he was when they found out that Lois was kidnapped. Clark was just leaving the office for a minute, and I'm guessing that this was he needed to get back to maintain the secret identity. And really, what else could he do? Because they knew they couldn't go to the cops, and he didn't know where else Danelli was because Danelli wasn't at the place. Well, he didn't know where Pemberton and Deneen were, and he just went out looking for them. <laughs> He can fly. He's got supervision. He needs to go do this stuff. Yeah. Maybe they're getting smarter with it, though. It's like, well, they have to be in a car heading out of town. Yeah. And Lois would be in the back seat. I hope I don't find another cop car. <laughs> uh, plus, they had to have the exposition. Yeah. It had to go somewhere. So, um, But Perry goes to – Perry goes with Clark and Jimmy to Little Falls, and this is the first time that Perry has been out of the office the entire series. And right here, Superman is defeated by Perry White because Clark knew to go to Little Falls and he could have flown up and we could have probably had the episode finished right? or the story finished. But with Perry there, they've got to drive and yes. apparently it takes a while to drive there. And yeah, it makes sense because Perry wants to get in on the action. Uh-huh. Right. But, uh, which I can understand if you're – if you've got this reporter that keeps getting these big stories and all this cool stuff happens to him and it happens when he's around and you're just having to sit there and read the stuff, it's like, I want to play too. He's tired He's tired of being uh, – uh, living it by proxy and he wants to actually exactly. be a part of it. He wants to be a part of it and it ruins the whole thing. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, we have Lois Lane escaping all by her little lonesome, proving possibly for the first time that maybe she can take care of herself. And that she's a Houdini. Yes. Yes. She must have learned from Zatanna. <laughs> if I could speak backwards, I would say something backwards here, but I, I can't speak backwards. <laughs> With so. good audio skills, you could say it forward now and then edit it to be backwards in the show. There you go. There you go. Listen to Thrilling Adventures of Superman. Listen to Thrilling Adventures of Superman. <laughs> and all the heroes. Right. But that's all I had on that episode, and I've got even less notes for the next three. Yeah, I don't have too much um, But episode 31, <laughs> this is another problem I had with the episode. When Perry and Clark and Jimmy are in the car and they stop and ask for Danelli, ask Danelli for directions, how is it that Clark didn't recognize him? I know it's dark, but still. Yeah, Jimmy – well, maybe Jimmy wouldn't have, but yeah, he – 
uh, uh, Clark should have totally noticed, especially with his supervision J- eyes. Right. Jimmy – there's no reason to believe Jimmy would have recognized him because Dinelli was sending a collector to get the money. Right. So he may have never seen Dinelli. But Clark, as Superman – Spike was there. Jimmy should have recognized Spike. Right, Spike but – the collector. I can explain that away because Spike was working on the car. So he may have uh, uh, he may have been ducked down behind the car, you know, depending on where which tire it was, or just had his back to Perry's car. Good point. Kind of had grease on his on his face too. Right. Uh, but it was uh, just a, a a plot hole for me. Yeah, me too. Lois didn't have any dialogue in this one either. Nope. Nope. And she's actually doing stuff. She had to get out of the building, but no. Okay, so what did you have next? <laughs> um, just that near the end of the episode, when when uh, he hears the police car approaching, Bud Collier does the voice transition backwards. He goes from Superman to Clark, and I don't think we've ever heard him go that way with it. It's always not, this not looks like a job way. for Superman, but yeah, yeah. But the other you know. So and usually there's some space in between. It's like, uh oh, I have to get get back in my clothes. Right. Hi, Miss. Hi, Miss Lane. But yeah, that's pretty cool. But that's all I had on thirty-one. It's that uh, thirty-one and thirty-three were kind of light on story. Uh, yeah, I had the same thing. I've got like one note on both of them. Right. Uh, but thirty-two. I, really, this is um, mostly just me complaining, I guess. Um, I don't understand why Jimmy was stumbling through the woods calling for Lois when they thought she was in the cabin. <laughs> because because at this point in the story, Jimmy doesn't know that the cabin was on fire. Right. So why would he just be wandering Actually, around? Actually, none of them knew that it was on fire. Yet. Oh, yeah. Well, they, right, no, right. No. You're right. So it doesn't make sense that he'd just be wandering through the woods. Miss Lane! Miss Lane! When he knows where she's at and it's not where he is. Yeah. You'd think he would just, you know, go up there. Right. But he's 14. He doesn't know things. He's a stupid kid. There Teenagers. You go. Yeah. Uh, but then Lois does finally show up, only four and a half, four and a half episodes in. Yes, finally. finally. She starts talking. Yes. It's not as bad as it has been, but still not as good as Miss Nichols from the that last uh, audition episode. No, I like Lois in this episode. I thought she Yeah, was, this is better than before. Right. But it's, it's the same not. actress as last time. Is it? Helen Choke. I think it is. It sounds like her. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, she was very, she was more believable and not, you know, not with the exaggerated screaming and, and all that. Oh, yes. Overacting. Right. All right. Now, I now my note is I'm wondering if there's a plot hole or if I was just missing a part of the episode because at some point we have Clark, Perry, and the gas station attendant going to the woods to try to find Lois and Jimmy. Or at least Jimmy, I guess, because they wouldn't have known Lois was out of the cabin because of the fire coming up. And Jimmy and Lois are in in the woods. The fire's coming to them. And out of nowhere, we've got Superman flying in. Now, on any other episode of this show, we would have had a, a scene. And this happened, and this would be in the cartoon or the comics, too. You have They always have that scene where Clark somehow mentions that he's going to change and fly a Superman. But for some reason, we just have in the episode. It just all of a sudden, Superman's flying by. 
Right. They just seem kind of weird. I don't know if it's a plot hole or if they didn't have time to put it in there. I don't think there's anything missing from the the episode uh, as far as like it being cut out okay. uh, in the, in the recordings because all the episodes are about the same length. Um, so yeah, I think it's just a plot hole in the writing. Um, well, I don't like it. That or they was the smoke clouding up the area by then because he could have slipped away into the smoke. Yeah, the, the smoke was getting thick by Jimmy and Lois, but see, the other, that's the other thing. They, I don't remember them actually. Uh, I know they were starting it, but they never made any mention of the actual backfire actually being started yet, too. But mm. they they were, as far, from what I remembered listening, and I listened to it like twice, I think. Um, we had that's about where it was. We had uh, the three guys going into the woods to look for Jimmy. We had Donnelly and Spike starting the start uh, digging up to start the backfire thing, but without actually setting it. And then that backfire never gets mentioned again. Right. And yeah. And then suddenly, now, I mean, even if the even if they they had the smoke thing, maybe they thought that explained it enough. But I'm just saying, usually they would have a whole little scene of Clark finding a way to get slip away so that he could turn to Superman. But he's just flying overhead. Right. And it just seemed like something was missing there. Yeah, I think it's just a plot hole or, or a forgotten scene that they, they had skipped over. Then. Yeah. Wow. Cutting room floor. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, you're right. It's it's weird. Just a little um, awkward. When Superman shows up to rescue Lois and Jimmy, they can't see him because of the convenient smoke, but he's clearly using his Superman voice, yet they say, oh gosh, it sounds like Mr. Kent. Yeah, and I notice it makes the way they have it set up, it's like, um, <laughs> sounds like the voice of God, because you just hear, <laughs> when he first starts off, he's just like, Olsen, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> it's like, it's like the, the burning bush, but um, it just sounded to me like like they were trying to set it up like they were going to say like it's some ghost telling them how to get out of there yeah but then started, it sounds like Mr. Kent right but yeah but then we get finally Clark, Lois, Perry and Jimmy the Fab Four together for the first time which yes really makes me happy to hear them together it's like the Beatles of the Superman music yes. area even though the storyline isn't very good it <laughs> it's just I, I love having those four staples together I mean that that is the Superman universe right there. Superman, yes. Clark, Lois, Perry, and Jimmy. So, no matter which era. Yeah. Now, I've noticed this on the last several episodes, but I love how the bosses or the the lead bad guy, however you want to put it, right, always has like a million different backup plans. <laughs> yes. If one thing happens and it doesn't work out, he's got something else. If that doesn't work, he's got something else. And if that doesn't work, he's got some kind of a box with something in it that the other person helping him has never seen before so that he can completely explain it to us so that we know what, what he's going to be doing. And he always starts it off as a mystery. <laughs> in this case, he's got a small box in the back of the car. But he's not going to tell you what it is yet. Just that it will take care of Clark Kent and all the others. And it's like, why don't you just tell him it's it's bombs? I mean, come on. <laughs> Always be prepared. Oh. It works yes. for Boy Scouts and supervillains. Yes, exactly. But yeah, this is the third episode that has ended with Danelli plotting to kill Jimmy Olsen. 
which <laughs> makes me think Jimmy is the luckiest kid alive or Danelli is completely inept. Never mind. I get you. Luckiest kid because he hasn't died yet. And this is before the watch. Yes. Yes. So, that Jimmy. It's the red hair. Uh, but to episode 33, I had exactly two notes for episode 33. Uh, the first was Bugsy Leary. Oh, yeah. I, I know that guy. Don't you? Which, Isn't he the little guy, the little midget one? For, or I'm sorry, the little person, uh, uh, mob guy from the Looney Tunes cartoons? <laughs> or is that Muggsy? I think that was Muggsy. That was Muggsy. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and he might Muggsy might have been the big guy too. I don't remember. Anyway, it definitely sounds like a a, a hoodlum kind of name or a mobby. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a gangster, but it just comes out of nowhere. He's like, oh, I got this from Bugsy Leary. Yeah, so it's, it's like maybe they should have like said, "Oh, we got it from um, you know, uh the wolf." Right. Yeah, or that something. would Oh, that'd been cool. Yeah. Got this from the wolf or, or the yellow mask. That would have been awesome. Or what was that other guy's name? The wolf of Kino. We Kino? got it from some, we got it from a guy named Kino. Oh, that would have been a cool that throwback. Cool. But no, he's got to say Bugsy Leary yeah. and leaving the kids wondering, "Did I miss that episode?" <laughs> That's how kids talked in the 40s. Yeah. But the only other note I had was that Bud Volier Bud Volier but <laughs> Collier's voice was cracking at the very tail end of the episode. So it kind of just sounded like he was just worn out by that point. Yeah, it sounds like he was either maybe he was coming down with something or right. maybe they actually had smoke in the in the room just to give him that effect and it was getting to him. Could be. But um I also noticed man, Superman got pretty physical in this story. Oh yeah, he was throwing people uh, all around. I mean, in dragging Spike into the air, too. and yeah, Do, he's, yeah, be, you know, doing the stuff with Spike, bouncing Danelli across around the room, bouncing the other guy around. I mean, he was, yeah, he was pretty. I mean, he gets physical, but this time he was like pushing it. Yeah, I kind of feel bad that I don't have more to say about this particular episode. I mean, it wasn't a bad one. It wrapped up the story fine. There just wasn't a lot to this particular episode. Uh, this was the shortest episode synopsis I've ever written for the show. So <laughs> there's just not much to comment on. Uh, but overall, I thought this was a fun story, but not great. There was a lot of little things that annoyed me, as we've kind of talked about. Um, like what? I'm <laughs> oh, just kidding. <laughs> it just – it was okay, but just not outstanding. And I think had the writers known how significant Jimmy would go on to be, I'm sure they would have – Amp things up a little bit better here, yeah. But that could be said for a lot of things that they introduce. So, like Lois, I don't know. The, the Lois's introduction in Action Comics number one was pretty epic. I thought. In, in Action, yes. In Action Comics number one, yes. When they brought her onto the show. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was kind of me. But, but uh, this arc seemed more like a typical story from the comics to this point, with Superman versus Racketeers and. Like you said, the way he was tossing people around, and it just felt like a good old-fashioned adventure from the comics, except Jimmy isn't in the comics. Or, you know, since we've got all four of them together, mm-hmm. The Adventures of Superman. It felt like it felt like a story from the Oh, Avengers. okay, okay, right. okay. I, I was, it sounded like you said Jimmy isn't in the comics or Adventures of Superman. I'm like, yeah, he oh, was no. there. Oh, yeah, he's there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It kind of feels like an episode okay. of that show okay. because – Superman was always fighting gangsters and yes. crooks and stuff. Uh, it, I yeah, I completely agree with you on that one. Now that you mention it, he Jimmy wasn't quite as G G Miss Lane or Golly Miss Lane. G Mister yeah. Kent, yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, 
And I, well, I don't know that Clark would have had to fight, but yeah, uh, I, this definitely felt more in line with a lot of the Superman stuff. Yeah. Bringing up Jack Larson, though, it goes into my next note. It, it It's interesting to me that Jimmy sounds a lot, Jimmy here sounds a lot like Jack Larson, or that Jack Larson sounds a lot like this guy. His voice is a little, a little bit deeper, but he has that same uh, New York accent and the same inflection. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's playing a guy that's supposed to be much younger than he actually is. Um, well, there's that too, yeah. Yeah. But did you have any further comments on the introduction of on, on Jimmy here in this first appearance? Uh, it's not the most memorable story. No. But – and it's pretty subtle because he just walks in like he's been working there the whole time. But it was still cool to see Jimmy and you get his mom. And, I mean, how often – the, the only other time they introduced Jimmy's mom, like – and it's a big deal was the post-crisis. Right. And so so for me who hasn't read these most of the Silver Age stuff that involved Jimmy's parents, this just kind of fit right in for me. It's like an alternate version of that – of the post-crisis introduction. Right. The but, uh, uh, the pre-crisis – the Silver Age stuff, that was just a couple episodes I think. <laughs> Issues, you mean? <laughs> Couple issues, issue shows, yeah. Um, there was, like I said, there was a Superboy story where we saw Jimmy as a toddler. That was from the fifties, I believe. And then the other one where we finally found out Jimmy's parents died when he was a boy, I think was from the mid to late sixties. I'd have to look it up, but uh, but it wasn't like a big ongoing plot or or storyline. It was just two issues two stories and two issues uh, you know like they did then but mm-hmm. but yeah you're right but beyond that yeah I, it's not epic and the story was eh, but it definitely had some pretty good cliffhangers to it and uh, I was pleased with it other than that one humongous plot hole <laughs> right does the Jimmy we've seen here feel like Jimmy Olsen to you it feels about it like it feels about as much to to Jimmy to me now that uh, that I would be used to, as the Golden Age Superman does to the Jimmy that I'm used to. Okay. Just as it's 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 there, it's it's there. It's just raw, and they're still trying to figure it out. But it 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 kind of feels that it's just like a prototype of what we're going to get later. Right. And well, nothing not, nothing comes out of the box fully formed. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. And just like Superman's gone through a bunch of changes, Jimmy goes through a bunch of changes. And, right. Turtle yeah. boy. Turtle boy. Yeah. There you go. Changes. There you yes. go. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he goes through changes. He marries a gorilla. He gets elastic. Water, water, water. He gets elastic. There you go. Although that's he, electric. He dates Lucy Lane. Uh, yeah, buddy. But if you're interested in hearing this story, these – like I said, this is the first arc that's not included on a box set. But they are available for free at a variety of places across the internet, so you can just get them yourself that way. The story was also adapted in text form in the May 1941 cover date issue of Radio and Television Mirror. I don't actually have that uh, issue, so I won't be able to post scans from it, but... How much of it do you know? Like, I'm guessing they... I don't have that that issue, so I can't tell you. Ah, okay. Yeah. I would assume it was cut down because the other ones have been, but exactly what was left out and what wasn't, I, I can't tell you. Hmm. Sorry. <laughs> Makes sense. Well, that's okay. okay. He was 
was a hero to some, a villain to others, and wherever he rode, people spoke his name in whispers. He had no friends, this Jonah Hex, but he did have two companions. One was death itself, the other, the acrid smell of gun smoke. Death and the Acrid Smell of Gunsmoke, the Jonah Hex Podcast. Available Thursdays at two true freaks.libson.com. In nineteen ninety-two, the greatest hero the world has ever known died defending his city from a force of nature. That force of nature had a name. Doomsday. From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast is a weekly internet radio program presented by the Superman homepage in association with the Superman Podcast Network. Every week, hosts Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor examine the comic book adventures of Superman from Man of Steel number one in 1986 to Adventures of Superman number 649 in 2006. Now they begin their coverage of the epic Death and Return of Superman trilogy with the first chapter of that story, Doomsday. From the first round to the ultimate sacrifice, Mike and Jeff will go through Doomsday in detail with the occasional special guest and a few surprises as well. Doomsday comes to From Crisis to Crisis beginning December 2011 at both www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com and www.supermanhomepage.com. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us for another episode. If everything goes to plan, Charlie will be back in two episodes. But until then, uh, where can we find you, Charlie? I do a show called Superman in the Bronze Age, which I co-host with our good buddy, J. David Weeder, over at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com and superbronze1970.libson.com. It's also on iTunes. Uh, and there it the new episodes get posted on Superman homepage as well as supermanpodcastnetwork.com. But as for this show, plans for next episode are, are still in a little bit of flux as of this recording, but it should mm-hmm. have at least something to do with Superman number five, so stay tuned. 
In the meantime, be sure to stop by greatcrypton.com for everything you need to know about the show, including show notes, back episodes, and more. I also post other things there from time to time whenever the mood strikes. If you want to subscribe to the show, the site will give you the RSS feed and the iTunes link. And you can follow the show on both Facebook and Twitter, and the links for both of those are at the site as well. Charlie and I would love to hear your thoughts on the show, so fire up your email client and send an email to thrillingadventures at greatcrypton.com and let us know. Also, be sure to stop by the Superman homepage as well as the Superman Podcast Network. Items are at both sites whenever there's a new episode of this show, and there's all sorts of other Superman-related content in between. Last but not least, be sure to check out Green Lantern's Light, which I co-host with Jeffrey Taylor and J. David Weeder. And you can find that at GreenLanternsLight.com. As always, Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. So thanks again for listening to the thrilling adventures of Superman, folks, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. at the end. Go ahead with your note because your note's better than mine. I just have it's it's Jimmy, but you've okay. got it's Jimmy, Jimmy, oh. Jimmy, all sad. Swear to me. <laughs> oh, they should totally work up Jimmy Olsen and, and get him into the Dark Knight Rises. That would be awesome. That we wouldn't have to. Have Golly, one. Batman! <laughs> Jump, Jiminy, Batman! What are we gonna do now? That's a college humor skit. If there, if I ever heard one right there. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, I love the one where they try to. Fi- he's trying to figure out his voice. Yes, yes. And the rhythm. Those are both awesome. Swear to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not. That's not. That's not scary at all. Uh, oh, uh, swear to me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. <laughs> and I was. Okay. Dang it. You're playing with my, my head. Day. Stop it. <laughs> oh. oh, that's what happens when I put the thing on top of my head again. Okay. <laughs> Wait, 
We're gonna put the promo in here. La 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 la. Yeah. Put the promo here. Okay. Put the promo right here. <laughs> I have a show called Superman in the Bronze Age, which I co-host with our good buddy J. David Weeder, which is at supermaninthebronzeage.blogspot.com and Superman, no, super something, something. <laughs> You're going to have to cut this from the first part. Uh, super, uh, super Bronze 1970? <laughs> uh, yeah, Super Bronze 1970 at Wow, I said it's it just, very late. Yes, I said it just right the first time, um, which is, can also be found at superbronze1970.libsyn.com, as well as the show being posted on iTunes, supermanhomepage.com, and supermanpodcastnetwork.com. For just twenty-seven sixty-nine and free shipping, you can get African Superman. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Penis pills. <laughs> 40 count. What? <laughs> what? Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh. I don't think I, I... Hold on, hold on. What? <laughs> I know, I was thinking, I'm like, what the hell? That makes no sense. Wow. <laughs> Ingredients, ginseng, scalper's penis, Chinese matrimony vine, pillow's <laughs> antler of young stags, longgang sarcocarp, lily, buffalo's penis fur, and seal penis. Mm. That's a lot of penis. <laughs> wow. I didn't know scalpers. I, I, think, I think you'll excuse me if I don't buy drugs off of eBay. <laughs> Yeah, especially not something that's like 80% penis. <laughs> oh, that is good. Okay, well, on that note... Anyway, you want to do the? Uh, you want to close the show here? Oh, we probably should, huh? <laughs> <coughs> uh, Would be a bad idea eventually. <laughs>